Patrick DeWitt was born on Vancouver Island in 1975. He's the author of the critically acclaimed novel Ablutions, which was named a New York Times Editor's Choice book. He lives in Portland, Oregon with his wife and son. Welcome to the Bibliophile. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. The Canada Council, and going from uh, the depths to the heights, you got a grant from them when things were looking. Yeah, things were things were grim. I was writing full time, and I had been for about two years, and I was uh, well into an early draft of the Sisters Brothers when money started to run out, and I had uh, applied for a grant. I guess about six months before, and the results were due sort of momentarily. But I was looking around for work. Before I was writing, I was doing construction with my father. So I was calling him and asking if there was any uh, openings or if he had any jobs and things like that. And it was sort of a rotten thing to think of going back to the grind of that, especially if you're doing something physical like construction. There's no time at all. You know, it's early days, and then also you're very tired physically and mentally when you come home. So it's not as though you can work when you when you clock out. You know. So I was basically looking at writing on the weekends. And that's just imperfect, you know. So we're at a point where you're facing doing something you prefer not to do. Yeah, but the most frustrating part of it was when I work construction with my father, it's usually my father and my uncle and my little brother. And we have fun on the job, but it's still, I feel like I'm doing something that I would, you know, I'd much rather be writing. I'm a much better writer than construction worker. <laughs> I hated the idea of having to stop working because things were going really well and you were in the flow of it and yeah I was just very interrupt. very much involved with it and it was something that was sort of on my mind all day long every day and feeling exactly how you want to feel when you're working on a big project and so I was a bit heartbroken that I was gonna have to uh, stop and yeah then at sort of the 11th hour uh, the word came through that I'd gotten a grant and that I wouldn't have to be going back to doing construction and it was just a you know, really great moment for me it was right on the edge mm -hmm. and now here we are and you've won the governor general's award mm -hmm. And it's not as if they've said, okay, we've given you this grant and now we're going to give you this award. Quite the opposite. There's an independent jury to judge your work in their view to be the best of the finalists. Yeah, it was a real, uh, real surprise for me, but uh, you know, a great honor as well. Let's get into the language of the book. I was struck by the similarity to a movie I'd recently seen called True Grit mm -hmm. and the way that the Coen brothers exploited the comic possibilities of an artificially ornate style. Mm -hmm. And I was reminded actually of a scene in Raising Arizona where Tom Waits is asked what he does for a living mm -hmm. and he says, murder, etc. <laughs> True Grit, the source material for the film is a book of the same name by Charles Portis, and I've been reading Charles Portis since I was 15 or something like that, so yeah, I'm a big fan of, of Portis's work, his other books especially. Uh, True Grit is you know, a, sort of a perfect book, but then I think everything that Charles Portis has done has been really kind of peerless. I remember reading a book of his called Dog of the South when I was 15 or 16, and it elevated comedic writing for me. Before then, I considered comedic writing, I guess, you know, lesser than dramatic writing. Charles Porras is one of those very rare people who can, you know, it's funny and you're laughing really hard, but it's also very, very serious. The way he uses words and his economy of, uh, of phrases, very smart man. I consider Charles Porras sort of a, an ongoing influence. I think it's very clear in this book, but even in my first book, which has nothing to do uh, thematically or stylistically with this one, I can see bits of Porras in there as well. He's just one of those people that's at the very top of my list of people that I admire. The language is polite and formal and uh, grammatical and there's an elaborate diction to it. It contradicts this low life, if you will, yeah. this uncivilized 
state of nature that these uh, assassins are crawling around in. Probably not realistic that these men would have spoken like this, and, and uh, that's okay with me. It doesn't bother me if things are historically uh, incorrect, and it was never my goal to make a historical document. Early on, I, I experimented with the language quite a lot, and I had some of the men speaking in, in a way that maybe would be more familiar to us in terms of the, the Western genre and people uh, sounding much less intelligent and uh, much less poetic and much less thoughtful. Sounding like a typical Western yeah, movie yeah. cowboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I really had a revulsion to that when I was writing. I would try to write it out, and, you know, men saying ain't and things like that. It just didn't feel good you know, to write it. And I didn't want uh, any of these men to sound that way. And I just didn't feel comfortable doing it somehow. I just had a sort of real visceral reaction to it. And, I, and I, so I scrapped it and decided that no one in this book would speak like that. Even uh, the people that are clearly very down on their luck and really gritty characters, they're all very introspective and they're all say these really highly intelligent poetic things at the drop of a hat. Again, it's probably not realistic, but it was much more interesting for me to write that voice than, than the more realistic voice. Well, and it's just funny. I mean, I can't help but smiling just talking about it. Yeah, that's the thing about writing uh, the more realistic, you know, an ignorant uh, tone of voice. It's just, it's just not fun for me. And if you're not having fun, then yeah, why well, bother? Why bother anything? Early on, the two brothers are tasked by the Commodore to assassinate Herman Kermit Warm. I couldn't help but think of a Herman Hermits. The name Herman Warm, actually, I just stole it. I was watching a silent movie from the 30s, a German silent movie. That I believe the cinematographer was named Herman Warm. And there's something about film credits. The older the movie, the more I pay attention. But names are hard to come by, and I'm always sort of on the scout for, for good names. You oftentimes will see just really very odd names. That was one that I actually thought was so great, I wrote it down. So between that name, and I added the Kermit just to give it an extra beat, but between the name and that book about the gold rush that I bought at a yard sale. And there was one picture I cut out, it was like, you know, like an old daguerreotype of a miner, and he was this very sort of wild-looking man with a big beard, and he had his really dramatic sash tied around his waist, and he looked very proud, but he also looked a little um, disturbed. And so I thought, well, who's this man? I had his picture pegged above my computer on the wall, and then around that time I'd watched this uh, German expressionist silent film, and so I just put the two together. So I can't really take credit for Herman Warm. I think it's just such a great name. Well, it's so great what you've done with Kermit, too. I mean, you, you know, I can't help but think of the frog, and there's <laughs> that humor and the, with, with a very serious-sounding name, just like you've done with the language, in a way. Yeah, it's just keeping a straight face. It's just one of those things. It's, my role in this book is really just to be a, a straight man. That's interesting, because Jane Smiley, in a, in a review in The Guardian, mm -hmm. She used the word flat for the dialogue mm -hmm. for Eli, one of the brothers, and, and Charlie. And she was taken to task, I thought, quite effectively by, uh, by one of the commentators on the, on the Guardian's site. Yeah, she pissed somebody off. I saw that. Well, the point that was made that was a valid one was that you are playing the straight man. You're not, you can just tell that these characters are thoughtful and deep rather than just flat and surface. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think she, you know, she didn't seem to get the book, and, and that's okay. You can't win them all, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't care very much for that re that review. I thought it was it was just a very silly to me. If we look then at the, the characters, it's a close look at brotherhood, mm -hmm. obviously, and I think it captures a relationship. I have, I have a brother. I, mm -hmm. You've got a brother? I have an older and a younger, yeah. You know, especially being in the middle, too, 
I've been the one who has been on the receiving end and then on the giving end of, you know, all sorts of tortures that <laughs> we typically, you know, share with our siblings. And Yeah, it's not pleasant, is it? I mean, it can be pretty vicious. Yeah, yeah, and especially, you know, these people, you know, they've never been separated, so that only intensifies the rivalry. And then um, one being ambitious and one not, it's just set up for, for disaster, really, it seems to me. One being perhaps more of a psychopath than the other. One, yeah, one who relishes the work and one who is sort of, um, you know, wounded by it or revolted by it. Questioning, uh, or if not guilt, then then it's sort of a spiritual fatigue. I would think so. Yeah, I mean, Eli's definitely exhausted. I, I, I think of him uh, as you know a weary, weary man. Again, uh, you know, to draw on the Cohen brothers, and uh, don't take this the wrong way, but you no, look. I, lo- I like the Cohen brothers. You look a bit like a character <laughs> that should appear in a Cohen brothers film. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it. I don't know if that'll happen. I can't stand <laughs> being in front of a camera, but the the comparisons to the Cohen brothers uh, doesn't bother me. I think that they're. Uh, they're a talented couple of guys. And, uh, you know, again, the fact you're out from, you know, in Oregon and, and Fargo set out in South Dakota, there's just a lot of parallels or connections. I, I wonder, too, we, just getting back to the language, you talked about having fun with it. You, did you say it's this pleasure in getting a kind of a weird effect? It's very much experimenting. You befriend these characters and you get to know them intimately and then you experiment by putting them in situations where you, you know what will happen generally but not perfectly until you get in there and you start sort of mapping everything out and you know sometimes the effect or the result of whatever situation you put these people into my favorite parts are when something happens that is really unexpected and really sort of explosive or suddenly you'll be writing a scene that you think will be very funny and suddenly you'll take this really sorrowful turn or and it's as much of a revelation to you as it is to the reader I guess no sure and sometimes things will happen oh, I can't believe that just happened it's so interesting you know yeah. and that's when I know I'm sort of on the right track when, when I'm surprised by what's happening if you go into something and you know what's going to happen oftentimes you get what you think you'll get out of it but very rarely do you get more when you go in you're not quite sure and there's a sort of danger there or there's a tension there oftentimes that'll, that'll turn into something uh, far more interesting and I think I've read uh, somewhere that you actually miss being in that space, right? Or are you are you back in it with something else now? I have a book, uh, about 100 pages of a new book, but I haven't been able to work on it since the book or shortlist, basically. Yeah. I've been, it's been busy doing this kind of thing. And I do miss, you know, when you're working on a, something as large as a book, you, I mean, there's all sorts of tortures within that period of time that you're doing it, you know, self-doubt, and hating what you're doing or worrying about it. Slogging through Slogging it. Slogging through yeah. it, but... It's also, it's really comforting. You feel, uh, you just feel like that you're taken care of in a way, you know. And the same something that has to be done. Something that has to be done, but also it's such a big project, you know, it takes so long to do it. And the risks are pretty high, too. Yeah, but it's kind of, to me, it's a comfort. I mean, having, like, when I, uh, when I, had, when I thought I was going to have to stop, that was what was just such a, a drag for me, was the idea that I, I really felt like I was doing what I should be doing. And, I, and to be taken away from that, you know, I just felt, I felt so comforted. Once you finally get the characters in place and the story's taking shape and you're working towards the end goal, it just feels good, yeah, you know, yeah. and every day feels meaningful. And You put in your hours every morning and uh, it just makes the rest of your life much more pleasant, you know. I just, I, I feel good when I'm working on a big project like that, so I can't, I definitely miss that and I'm looking forward to getting back into it, but um, I don't feel like I'm wasting my time, taking time off. I think it's, I think it's a good thing for the book and it's just, it's nice to get out and meet all these, um, these bookish people, you know. Yeah, and people who uh, who can give you different perspectives <coughs> on what you've written. I guess. Have you had any sort of revelation thanks to other people's spins on the, your characters? Yeah, there's been quite a few 
people have said things that are true, but things that I had not necessarily realized or recognized. And I was in Ireland doing an interview, and uh, the first thing the interviewer said when she sat down was, she said, so would you say that Tubbs the hero of the book? <laughs> <laughs> the horse. Yeah, yeah Tubbs yeah. the horse is the hero of the book, which is something I would never have thought of. In, in its way, it's it's a true thing. I mean, or, or if it was for her, then it's true. That's the thing. I mean, everybody interprets the book in a different way. But I had never really viewed Tubb as a heroic figure until she brought that up. And since then, I've sort of half thought of him as a as a heroic figure in the book. So well, he stays in the book for one thing. He could have got cut loose pretty early on. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the relationship between Eli and Tubb was a was a one of those parts that was an experiment. I felt like I was experimenting, and I think I uh, I like what a uh, what the experiment turned up in terms of their. Uh, Friendship, yeah, kind of a loyalty and a, a what a growth on the part of Eli. For I think so. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think Eli recognizes himself in Tub, and that's sort of where his sympathies. That's when his sympathies sort of amplify once he recognizes himself in his horse. And and Eli's a bit tubby too, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. They're sort so. of the same, uh, the same, <laughs> the same being. Wonder if we could get onto masturbation. Yeah, let's do it. This has to do with. Again, I think one of those moments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was one <laughs> that of that was a moment and a half. And again, you think of the psychopathic character, and you think, Jesus, what kind of mother could he have had to uh, to instruct him to masturbate to relax? Well, I think she was probably just a, a very intensely pragmatic woman. I don't, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone else else's sons. It's just one of those things that um, I think I was hoping to display how far Eli goes how far Eli's rage transports him because I had to make Eli a believable killer and if it wasn't for the violent episodes you would never necessarily believe that he would be capable of such a thing so that scene begins with him kicking in the head of a man who's been dead for 10 seconds and just sort of demolishing this man's skull yeah, and then, stalk, it, and then yeah. stalking off and masturbating so this seems an effective way to let the reader know that Eli is not as, as gentle a man as maybe you, you had thought he was <laughs> But I, I keep waiting. It, it's funny. It doesn't come up more often. I, I'm, I'm sort of relieved to be talking about it. I think it's something that people skirt when they're discussing the well, book. It is a relief, of course. But I, I remember that was one of the parts where I thought, well, I'm going to catch hell for this, you know, because if there's one thing that John Wayne's not supposed to do is play with himself. <laughs> Speaking of compelling, that's a word that comes up in a lot of the reviews, that, and it comes up in lots of reviews, period. Mm -hmm. Uh, and picaresque. I wonder, can you just reflect on those that feedback and uh, how did you get there, and why do you think people are describing the book as such? I don't know. I, I, I mean, I was just saying yesterday. I think that um, you know, my first book critically it did well, but it just never really found a, a readership. That's it another just, nice thing, isn't it? Too it your just first book's going to get that readership now. I would think. I would hope so. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if a lot of the people that read Sisters Brothers will like the first book because it's more dark and I think it's it's hard to digest it's it's a quite bleak book but I don't think that one is necessarily better than the other I think that mm. I think of them both as and I know some people think that the first is better than the second but I think that they're sort of of, of a piece so it's sort of a mis mystery to me I, I I don't know why this one I I think that this one is obviously much more story based and I think just generally speaking it's 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 more colorful so I see why there's been a difference in terms of uh, the numbers and, and why why more people are reacting to this one, but it's not crystal clear to me. It is it's mysterious to me. I, I don't really know why this one is connecting and the others aren't. Perhaps it's just the familiarity of the backdrop. These are all things that you know. I I had I was worried that the familiarity of the backdrop would be uh, a big strike against it. I didn't know what 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 the reaction would be, and I'm surprised by the reaction. Not not that because I don't think the book deserves it, but just because. 
I'd grown accustomed to the idea that I was going to be one of those kinds of writers who maybe does fine critically, but numbers-wise doesn't uh, never really breaks through. So that the book is pushing on and going into all these people's homes that I, I didn't have access to before. I puzzle over it, but I can't. I can't be anything but thankful about it. I'm speaking to uh, Patrick DeWitt, the uh, author most recently of The Sisters, Brothers. Speaking of background, there's a really good line that s sticks with me about horses, and this is, this has to do with Tub, mm -hmm. and the fact that he really he wanted to be able to name his own horse. He wanted a horse without history or habit. Mm -hmm. And I think you've just touched on that in a larger context as it might relate to your writing and the topic that you've chosen and the fact that the ground has already been trod and the, mm -hmm. can you expand on that a bit? I, I, I had uh, mixed feelings about going into... Uh, I remember when I realized that what I was doing was writing a Western novel, I was almost upset about it. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just, why is this happening? How is this happening? But it's not as though you can just pick up and write about anything. You know, it, you, there has to be a, a drive behind it and you have to be inspired throughout, uh, or I do, and then if I'm not, then I know that I shouldn't be doing this thing, you know. So what started out as this bit of dialogue morphed into what became, you know, a, a novel in progress, and um, I just sort of resigned myself to it. I, th I just think that there being familiar elements to this in terms of it being, you know, I, I believe it is part of a, you know, a tradition and, and, you know, it's arguably a genre book. I knew that I would be able to make it my own in terms of eliminating everything. I didn't want to remind anyone of things we already know about Westerns. I didn't want it to be um, one of these books where you're told every fact that the author turns up at the library. I didn't want it to be um, a discussion of weapons and the pros and cons of obscure laws and all these things that you often find in in, uh, in the Western genre. Well, frontier mentality and... Yeah, yeah, and I, 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 I tried to cover new ground and I think I partially succeeded in that. So you wanted to name your horse? Well, they, they want horses without names, or they're used to not naming horses. He got Tub as part of a deal because his last horse had been killed. And so he was sort of given this second-hand horse while his brother got the, the got to pick the other horse, who's this vastly superior horse, because Eli was in the hospital with a wounded leg. So that just sort of sets the stage for sibling rivalry and just Eli's sort of constant feeling that his brother's always gotten the upper hand on him. Yeah. And it's just a, it was an effic efficient way to, to to show people where we're at, you know, right away. So by page two or three, you understand exactly what's going on. The chapters are short. Yeah. And there's a lot of white space in the book. Yeah. It compares uh, to to watching a f these are scenes. Yeah, yeah. Is that is, and you are involved in script writing. What 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 do you make of that? Well, I think um, that again, that's one of those things I didn't really recognize. But pretty much every chapter is three to seven pages, right around there. But it was it was pointed out to me in I think in, in copy edits. It wasn't until the book had been sold in three different countries and I was going through edits with the publishers, somebody said something complimentary like it's very wise you chose to keep the chapter short. And it, up to that point I had no idea that I'd done that. I do think that having read only a, a couple of Western books but seen a good many Western films, I, I, I wasn't doing it intentionally at the time. I wasn't referring to actual movies I'd seen, but my suspicion is that that's what I was sort of drawing on. I was drawing on the cinema rather than the literature. And so I think that accounts for it. Well, you've got intermission in the book too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the most overt thing. I mean, they do make, you know, fast-paced little bursts of story. In terms of the white space, that was a demand on my part because my first book had also had short chapters, but they ran them together, separated by a small white space, but I had wanted them to be 
a new page each one because I, it's the act of changing, turning a page, you know, it's, I like the pause of that, you know, so I just sort of asked nicely if they would do that for this book and they were generous enough to, uh, to go along with me. I like the way, too, the first line is in a quite, quite a bit larger type. Yeah. Is that yeah. your idea? Or? No, no, that was um, uh, Echo Press did, a, did the layout with all the intermission titles and the, and the black pages for the chapters, and, and uh, they were very careful about it. And it was, I think they did a very artful job. I like it a lot. I'm trying to read in some sort of, does it or doesn't it have a look of like a saloon sign? The book itself uh, came out in three countries around about the same time. Just because it got so much early hype and the fact that it was nominated for the Booker makes it bloody difficult to get a first printing of the thing, which us collectors are fairly keen on doing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I have, a, this is a third printing, because it's got the, the, the Governor General's Literary Award and the Rogers Writers Trust Fiction Prize on the uh, very striking front cover. The uh, first edition in Anzi is really beautiful too, it's quite heavy and it's a, it's a hard cover, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. We're talking right now in November of 2011. The book actually uh, hit the, st the stands at what point? Beginning of the year? I think it might have been February. So it's still quite new. Well, they, they went to the, with the French flaps. They did that one uh, quite quickly. Right. So I think they ran through the first in hardcover and then they jumped to that format. And I think that there'll be a format without the French flaps uh, shortly now. Just uh, winding down, I think of Portland, Oregon, and I, I think of that funny, uh, uh, quirky TV show that came out that was based in Alaska. It was about a doctor that went up there. Uh, but anyway, I, ju I just wonder if breathing in that kind of atmosphere uh, affected you <laughs> in terms of choosing the genre. I don't know. I, I would say no. I mean, I, I started the book actually in Washington State. I was living on an island called Bainbridge Island. That's a beautiful part of the world. It is. It's very pretty. I think it's just a, a, a whole number of things, and it was a lot of it was luck. You know, we were talking about this. But we just had lunch with the Canada Council, and we were discussing. I found a book in the Gold Rush for twenty-five cents at a yard sale. And when I was working on this, and when I got down to Portland, and it was still quite vague. The characters weren't quite in place yet, and uh, I didn't know what year it was. I didn't know where they were. I didn't know what they were going to do. I was just sort of getting to know them as men, and then uh, I found this book, and because of that book. I wrote a book that deals with the gold rush, and if I hadn't found that book that morning, if I'd passed by the garage sale, if I hadn't had a quarter on me or whatever it was, then uh, this book wouldn't exist in this format. I, it would be some other some other kind of a book. So there was all these little sort of lucky happenings that uh, sort of guided me throughout the writing of a book, and I think that that's probably quite normal. A lot of uh, your discoveries are accidental discoveries. A lot of the your serendipitous yeah, coincidences. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, and that happens you know quite a few times in the writing of this book. And I've heard that from others, uh, yeah. incidentally. Is it's just almost as if it's it was designed to be. Yeah, but it's the kind of thing where you look back and you feel frightened almost because if if I hadn't gone out for a bike ride that day, or if I hadn't, you know, all these things that lead to the end result, and um, so many of them just seem so perilous and tenuous and. Your, your life could have gone in a completely different direction. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think that that's how it just is for, for most artists. You know, the story of how I got an agent is like this horrific story that involved luck so many times in so many different instances, and, and um, you know, so you have to sort of uh, have faith that you'll have some luck, and I think if you focus on something long enough, eventually you will turn up some luck, you know. Just uh, finally, about your Canadianness uh -huh. and living in the <laughs> States yeah. and winning a Canadian prize. Mm -hmm. Do you think of yourself as Canadian, or have you got an American, one American parent, or how's that work? 
I have a I have a green card in the states. I have I'm not still not a citizen there. I'm still a citizen here, and I have no plans to become a citizen there. I wouldn't rule it out, but I just don't see the any reasoning for it now. Uh, but I've married an American, and you know, I've sired an American now. So, I mean, I can't deny that I've spent you know you know many many years in the states, and time, right now I consider Portland my home. But I I wouldn't say that I consider myself an American. People, when people ask me if I'm traveling, where are you from? I always stay. I was born in Canada, but I live in the states. You know, I guess it's a little bit complicated. You know, I, I just brought my wife to Toronto. She'd never been to Canada, and I hope to show her around a little bit more. And we're certainly open to the idea of coming back, but it's not uh, it's not on the immediate horizon for us. I don't think. Next year we're going to do a residency in Paris, and we're going to see if we can stay there for longer than the residency. But we're open to the idea. The whole thing that's nice about writing is they say you can do it anywhere if you do it. And so well, especially if, if if enough people know about the fact that you're doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you can eat out a living, you know, and there's no real reason to stay in one place, then, then why would you? So we're going to take advantage of that a bit. and uh, Perhaps it'll bring us back to Canada, but I can't say for sure. Well, I don't know if you have to feel apologetic about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that uh, with all these the awards season and everything, and just getting to come up to Toronto three times and now here, and going to Calgary and Edmonton in a couple of weeks, it's it's been great for me getting to come here and, and you know I, I feel much uh, much closer to the the reading public and uh, getting to spend time with uh, people at Anansi and Canada Council. And, you know, I, I definitely do feel closer to uh, Canadian writing heritage than I did beforehand. Yeah, and I think there's a real pride too at how well you've done internationally. Of course, that's often the case. Yeah. You know, Canadians feel proud of their own for having done uh, well abroad. Yeah, no, it's been it's been a very positive uh, experience for me. Great. Well, thanks for uh, sharing some of it with us uh, today. Sure, happy to be here. I've been speaking with Patrick DeWitt, who has just won the Governor General's Literary Fiction Award for his book, The Sisters Brothers. Thanks again.